Trust Business Lunch. Pete Zimmerman's the producer. Here's Terry Savage, the syndicated financial columnist at terrysavage.com. Terry, 25 is a lock, right? Would you bet the house on that? Absolutely. Bet your house, bet your mortgage, and everything else. The market knows the Fed will raise rates by a quarter of a percent today. Anything else would be a dramatic shock. But why is the market down 350 points? Because the real question is, will Powell give any hint that this is it? We beat inflation. It's over. He will not give that kind of hint. He doesn't want the market to think, aha, it's over now. They're going to stop raising rates. Maybe they'll cut. So what Powell says is going to be carefully parsed and the market's realizing, yeah, we can't get too excited. It's probably not over yet. There may be another 25 basis points uh, coming down the road. Powell's not going to tell us. But you know what the good news is so far? Mm. The January barometer. You know, it's an old, oh gosh, Yale Hirsch who wrote the Stock Trader's Almanac. His son, Jeffrey, writes it now, but I knew Yale. He's gone on ahead. But Yale created the Stock Trader's Almanac January barometer, which said as uh, first week in January goes, typically so goes January. But more significantly, as January goes in the market, so goes the entire year. And going back into 1972 when he created, it's a 70, 75% correct accuracy. Someone backdated that back into the 1950s and found that January barometer was 85% accurate. And so the good news is January was a great month for the stock market this year. S&P up about 6%, the Dow up about 3%. We're losing about a percent of that today. So that's really um, a kind of a happy note for the stock market to start the year out positively. A lot of probabilities that who knows what will happen in between, but that it should end the year up from last year. We'll see. Well, we'll talk about that, God willing, in December. Boy, listen to you, though. This is the optimistic Terry said. You have, I know. I, that's why I couldn't wait to pass that little bit of market history on to you. We had a guest on yesterday who sounded uh, razor sharp as well, and he was pessimistic. He said, you know, that 2.9 in spending was mostly government spending. In fact, commercial or, or, or uh, what's the opposite of government spending? Retail spending was down, actually. And uh, he just had a number of other metrics that he thinks are going to get worse rather than better in the short term. But the, let's remember, yes, there could be a recession. Yes, it's likely there'll be a recession. The leading indicators down month after month tells us there will be a recession. That is not the same as the stock market going up or down, because the stock market looks ahead and beyond. Pretty much the stock market has already discounted what it cares about. If there's a slowdown, what happens to corporate earnings? They've built that in. Oh, there's some surprises like yesterday, Snap reported earnings, online advertising not coming up so well. Lots more layoffs coming from tech companies. But that's the stock market's way, thinks way far ahead. So yes, we could have an economic recession. It might look different. I was thinking back to the years when I reported, you know, on a daily basis for Channel 2 News, we'd have a recession and I'd be standing out there at the auto assembly plants and the steel mills, the workers are laid off. Now you're getting very high paid workers laid off in Silicon Valley from the tech industry, which boomed. Even Amazon, which took us through the pandemic and hired so many people, is selling warehouses and cutting back. So it's a different kind of a look. We still have job openings, as we just reported. So there's still plenty of openings for people who want jobs, maybe not where they thought they deserve to earn, but there are job openings. So the economy and the stock market are not the same, but we have some good indications for the stock market and correctly, not such good indications for the economy over the next few months. 
You ready for some questions, Terry? Yes. Before I have to run into a Chicago Mercantile Exchange board meeting at 1230, I always hate it when that cuts us short. So let's do it. What happens when the T-bill hits maturity? Does it roll over or do you have to do something? At terrysavage.com, there's a box under financial links that says how to buy T-bills. When you buy your treasury bill, there's a chance when you put in your initial order to say, please automatically renew. You can renew depending on the maturities four times or six times so that it will automatically roll over at whatever the rate is on the date that it matures. If you don't specify a renewal, the money will drop back into the bank account you linked in your treasury direct account. So if you do nothing, it does not automatically roll over. It does not. You have to click renewals and it says two, three, four. Got it. I would always suggest if as you're trying to keep this thing going, you don't want to have a week where it comes out of your account, goes back in the bank. You've got to wait a week to buy more. Just click automatic renewal. And a week before, if you change your mind, gee, we really need that money, you can cancel the automatic renewal. How about a short answer to this one, Terry? Is Terry Savage optimistic about the stock market? Will my 401k rebound this year? I don't know about this year, but I am always optimistic about the stock market, not out of some Pollyanna sense, but because I look at history. There's never been a 20-year period where you lost money in a diversified portfolio of large company American stocks called the S&P 500 with dividends reinvested the way it is in your 401k even adjusted for inflation. So if your horizon is one year, I want you to be in T-bills. Right now, I mean, at the Monday auction, it's probably going to be about 4.8%. Well, I don't know that the stock market's even going to gain 5% this year. But if you're in there and continually putting that couple hundred dollars out of your paycheck every month, and you're in your 40s or 50s, I absolutely am optimistic that over the long run, you're going to come out way far ahead. 5% of the Dow right now would be uh, 10, would be uh, uh, 1,500 points. I mean, I think it's reasonable to think that in the next year, the Dow will be up 1,500 points or that the S&P the will be, be up 5%. But, but here's the guaranteed thing. It, we don't, with six-month T-bills are guaranteed to pay you about 4.8% when you sure. have the auction. And I don't know when they renew in six months, maybe it'll be a little lower because the Fed by then surely will have gotten inflation under control. But the point is you're not going to lose a penny you're going to get a nice return. You sleep well at night. You take no risk. So yeah. if you say, I only have money for a year, well, yeah, don't go fooling around. But if you're talking about I'm building a retirement portfolio and I'm going to need some stocks in my retirement, even if I retire at 65, because I'm likely to live till 85. No, you don't want it all in stocks. You hate to retire when the market's down and suddenly have to take money out. But by the way, 10 years from now, those RMDs will start at age 75. So you've got a long time horizon if you can have the self-discipline to not only stick with it and not chicken out when the market's scary, but to keep investing. Well, speaking of that, can Terry recommend on how to rebalance my IRA related to a possible recession in my age of 72? I'm scared and I don't want to lose any more. Well, if you don't want to lose any more and you're already 72 and you have an IRA, there are a couple of things you can do. You can sell down a good portion of your portfolio. We are within two, two and a half percent of the all-time highs on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Let me remind you, horrible year last year, markets bounced back. So we're with, I think the all-time high was close, just under 36,000. So you never want to do all or nothing, but why should you be awake at night? You can put half of it in a money market fund. If your IRA is custodianed at a place like Schwab or Fidelity, 
they'll actually let you buy T-bills in your IRA through their brokerage division. So you can divide your 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 401k into a section. Some will be what I call chicken money, money markets, or T-bills if you can do them through their brokerage. Some in more conservative funds like balanced funds. Uh, it doesn't have to be all in the stock market at 72. But if you're 42, yeah, be diversified across the stock market. America will come out ahead. I'm just wondering out. why this lady is so frightened now. I mean, the Dow was at 29. It's at 34 now. <laughs> That's if, what I'm trying to, me, to say. To me, I, I, I'm feeling pretty good about it. If you're 72 and you're going to be on this planet for another 20 plus years, yeah, I but think stocks need are a good place that. to be. Wait, John, first of all, not at 72, but when she turns 73, new age, she's going to have to start taking RMDs. I mean, she'll have to sell some stocks if, they, if she doesn't have money in a money market. I always Now I'm at the stage where I'm keeping a lot of money, more money in a money market just because I don't want to be forced to sell for an RMD. So the attitude, what's more important is not where the stock market was or where it's going. When you're 72, the attitude is... This is no longer a river, a stream where I'm throwing money into it and it's flowing downstream and sometimes it's going faster yeah. or slower. Yeah. It's now a swimming pool. Yep. And every time it goes down, the le- every market goes down, the level of the swimming pool goes down. Plus, I'm draining some out to live on. Yeah. It's a different mental attitude than you have. I'm uh, but I, I sense No, that. no, I, I, I'm glad you said that because, of course, my stream is still on. And if it was a lake or a pool, I think I would maybe be a little less cavalier. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Mark, you're on WGN Radio. What would you like to ask? Mark, you're on the air. Hi, uh, Terry. If I want to pay down my highest interest rate debt with some extra money, is it best if I put that money toward double payments or re- principal reduction? Um, are you talking about credit card debt? Uh, well, my, it's my son's auto loan. He's got a ridiculous rate on it. If it's not your highest rate debt, how's your son doing paying it off? <laughs> he's, he's doing okay paying it off, but again, again, he's he's not paying that. He's he pays his credit cards off every month. That's really the only but, debt he has. Okay, well, and and what's the rate on his car loan? It's about nine and a half percent. If you want to do it, you just write a check and and make sure it goes directly to pay off some of the principal of that loan. But don't give him the money because he'll probably find a better use. Oh, no, no. He'll, he'll be, it's coming from him, but pay off the principal instead of double payment. Exactly. Huh? You know, if he can, yeah, absolutely. And if he can pay off the principal, I would think that if you have a relationship with a credit union and he has some equity in that car and it's not a six-year loan where he's upside down, he might be able to refinance now at a much lower rate at a credit union. Okay, thanks much. Good. You bet. What do you make of uh, making extra payments or paying more on your mortgage? I always, years and years and years ago, I always did that. I rounded up a couple hundred dollars um, because I think people need to set up a system, first of all. Yes, you should always pay extra on your mortgage unless today you've got one of those, still one of those 3.1% mortgages, then don't worry about it because you can do better with your money other than paying down a low rate mortgage. But if you're trying to get to the point where you've paid off your mortgage, pay extra, but set up a system, make sure that you apply the, they apply the extra payment to the principal, make it the same amount every month so you can track it and get a statement every year because their systems are not set up to do well, I'll put 75 in this month and 112 next month. Well, that should won't I, work. Is, there, is it critical that you note when you do, say, add an extra $100 in there that I want this to go to the principal? It, you should talk, yes. But in the olden days when you wrote a check and put a note on it, which I used to do, I'm talking yeah, many, many sure, years ago. Sure. Now you have to deal with your servicer and say, 
I'm going to set up a plan where if my mortgage is $1,912, I'm going to send in $2,000 a month. It's easy for me to just do that. And um, I want all that extra principal. And I think you want to deal with your servicing agent and get some kind of a written confirmation that any additional payments go to extra principal. Hey, Terry Savage, a $10,000 I-bond once a year. Is that a calendar year? Yes, it's a calendar year. Are T-bills ever available through your 401k? No, um, the Treasury does not act as custodian. I used to think that you could not buy them in your IRA, but now I know because so many people are in demand of them that, as I said, Fidelity, Schwab, um, Vanguard have brokerage divisions. You know, your IRA, you could buy Mm -hmm. their mutual funds or you could buy other mutual funds or you could buy stocks in your IRA. That brokerage part of it will act as custodian We'll let your we'll buy T bills for you and act as custodian, but 401k plans do not have those. John, you're on with Terry Savage on WGN. Hi. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I am uh, retired. I'm uh, have heavy investments in stock. Should I be selling the stock or should I hold off? And how John. do I reinvest once I? Um, I sell the stocks. John, let me say this. You can be older and retired and be heavily invested in stocks. And if you already have your living needs covered by your Social Security, your pension, other savings money, and if you're not going to get nervous in case the market goes down, you can remain heavily invested in stocks and leave it to if you have children or grandchildren, that's fine. I can't time the market. I never know when to get out or get in. I have a rule sell down to the sleeping point. If it's keeping you up in the middle of the night, what's the market going to do? What's Fed going to do? What's Powell going to say? At that point, you take some of your stocks and say, I'm going to sell. I'm going to put it in treasury bills, currently yielding 4.8%. Again, go to terrysavage.com. On the right side under financial links is a box that says how to buy treasury bills. It explains it. That way you're never all wrong and you're never all right and you get to sleep. So a little of this, a little of that. John, good luck to you. It's a good question. It's a good answer. 30 seconds left, Terry. Could you ask Terry Savage, what does the average person have in retirement savings? Do you know what the number is, Terry? There is, no, there is no average. And it, it, listen, here's yes, what's important. Is. Wait, 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 wait. No, there isn't in the sense of for what would be not enough retirement savings for someone who has a house in the suburbs in Chicago and a house in Florida and plane trips and wants to travel, then $2 million is not going to be enough if you think you're going to retire at 65. So go to a website called newretirement.com. Go through the whole process of their computerized program and say, look, here, I have my living costs covered. My mortgage, I don't have a mortgage anymore. I've got social security. I'll have a pension. I have $412,000. That might be enough for you. But I can't say what's average because nobody is average. Well, of- newretirement.com, that's the website. Okay, but I'm going to Google. I'm going to Google how much does the average person have in retirement savings. But what, but what, and- what difference does it make? I, I spend a lot more money. I know that. So I need more than the average person. And it's less than a hundred. It's less than one hundred fifty thousand. 
You have a horse. But, but, right. But, but I mean, so, of course, so you need more than $150,000. I know that. No, but the point is, if the average person, we're talking about the average age, the average 50-year-old have it in retirement savings, that gets you closer, but it doesn't tell you whether that 50-year-old lifestyle in retirement is going to be the same as yours. She has all these good points. Don't you hate that about her? That's Terry Savage. <laughs> You can follow her at terrysavage.com. Okay, Terry, big number today. We'll uh, talk to you later. Absolutely. Thanks, John. Martha Razzo joins us, the CEO of two Chicago-based businesses, Guero's Palettes and Solix Business Services. She's the author of a book called Business Diva, Stories of Women Leading in Business. Martha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. How are you guys doing today? We're doing well. Tell me about your two businesses. Well, my favorite one, I mean, I love them all, but my favorite one is the Palette. Guero's Palette is my family company, so we all have a role in the company. It's my parents, my brothers, and my sister who run this operation. We've been in business for 17 years, and it's wooden palettes. Um, to put it in perspective, when you go to Sam's Club, um, Target, you see these palettes on the bottom of the, like, the fruit and the, and the products. So we sell those nationwide. Solix is my consulting firm. So I go into a company and I use their data to make strategic plans. So let's say you want to figure out how many employees to hire. Then we look at the data to make that decision. Is it unusual for a woman to be in something like the pallets business? It is. It, it, is, it was very challenging for me when I started it. It's male-dominated. I mean, you go anywhere, and the owner is usually a uh, man, and the workers are usually men. So does that help you or hurt you when you're trying to sell your acumen to promise them that you'll deliver the products on time, et cetera? Well, it doesn't really affect, and I grew up knowing this, uh, but at the beginning, it did. When I started, it was challenging because when I tried to make those relationships with my vendors, I wasn't taken serious because they're like, oh, what is she going to know? So there was moments where they were trying to take advantage and play around with the price and the negotiation, mm -hmm. assuming that I didn't know. And I asked those questions because your book is about stories of women leading in business. It's called Business Diva. Tell me just a little bit about that. So I'm very excited about this book. It just came out. Um, business Diva is the anthology stories of 22 women in business. They're women, I mean, all over the U.S. And these women talk about their business and how they came up to start their business. Some of them didn't start until they were 53. And then they give advice to other women. I mean, also men they can t take this advice as they're starting their business or they're in their business, and also it's an inspirational of what we are capable as human beings. I noticed that a lot of the women in the book are Latinas. Is that another complicating factor? Does that maybe open up certain markets to you, or did you feel that was an obstacle at times? So being a minority in business, I, 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 also, uh, I think what I've noticed for this book, it's not an obstacle. But it is an obstacle for the individual business women, being women and being Latinas. I think it is challenging because that's not the face. When you see the face of a business owner, it's usually a man. And most times it's a white male. So it is difficult at the beginning to get that respect. But there is nothing more respectful than knowledge. So all of these women are knowledgeable in their respective businesses. So as long as you have that in confidence, there is no barrier you cannot break. 
Well, male or female, are there common traits you found when interviewing all of these people who are successful in business? Are there are there common factors that they all share? Uh, confidence, yes. Confidence and knowledge. Every business owner has that. Uh, I suppose so. What uh, I would imagine, too, though, that's probably not enough in a challenging market right now. I was thinking a minute ago when you were talking about pallets, which are wood, if the, uh, <laughs> I make it sound easy, like I could run your business, but I wonder if the uh, cost of lumber um, three years ago, two years ago, uh, changed your business or made it more difficult. Yes, it did. So this is an interesting thing you bring up. So during the pandemic, lumber was very difficult to obtain. So prices skyrocketed. So then followed the wooden pallets and the prices went up. But now this year we're entering, we're, we're not entering, we are already living in a recession. So now there's a lot of lumber. The prices went down on lumber. So then that follows with the wooden pallets too. So it's difficult times because every, every, every change, so we were very high before and now we're low because that's what a recession means, that the economy is in a slowdown. Then that means that I have to sell my product at lower prices. This is scary because if you're in inventory, you have product base, like I do wooden pallets, then you risk selling your inventory and lost, lo- uh, losing money, which is very scary and worrisome. So you have to change your strategy, and it has to be done really quick because this is how this recession is coming. Yeah. It's just going down, 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 and you need to make the decision as immediate. And, and if it's a big company like us, it's a lot of components that need to move in that same direction. I could see how your business, the pallet business, would be a sort of bellwether for the economy in the next three or six months, right? If I'm going to have a lot of orders for goods, if fruits and vegetables are going to survive the drought, then we're going to need to move a lot of products, we're going to need a lot of pallets. But if the businesses are ordering fewer pallets, then it would seem like they're telling you, telling us, that they expect a slowdown. How's business for you? If you want a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the weather or the forecast, right now it's low. It's low and it's driving prices down. The question right now for us is how low are the prices going to go? And it really is competition driving it down and these warehouses and these companies that buy the wooden pallets is how much leverage they get on pallet companies fighting amongst each other. So it's difficult. When you have a lot of inventory, you become desperate into selling your inventory. Do you get me? And that's what drives the prices down. So it's a matter of time. I'm hoping that it picks up in the next two months. If it doesn't, then it's most likely that the economy is going to keep slowing down the entire year. As go pallets, maybe so go trade. Martha Razzo is the CEO of two Chicago businesses, Gueros Pallets and also Solix Business Services, where she consults. She's the author of a book, Business Divas, Stories of Women Leading in Business, and the book is uh, dropping just now. It's published by Fig Factor Media, and I understand that there's going to be a book launch, or did the book launch already happen? That already happened. It was held at the Drake Hotel, right? Yes, we had 210 people attend, and no, this was Tuesday, and very cold. That's when the weather really dropped, and the place was filled. It was an amazing day where we had a lot of support from family and other business owners. It was amazing. Well, congratulations. Business Diva, stories of women leading in business. Martha, thanks for your time today.
Well, thank you so much for having me. They can buy the book on Amazon. So if you're listening, just type in Business Divas on Amazon and you'll get your copy immediately. No more than two days. That's Martha Razzo, CEO in Chicago. More business news on the Wintrust Business Lunch. Here's Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. There's a new publisher and CEO at the Chicago Reader. The Reader Institute for Community Journalism, which operates the alternative newspaper, says it's hired Solomon Lieberman for the post. He'll replace Tracy Bame, who's retiring. He'll take the reins later this month. Lieberman comes from the Institute for Political Innovation, which researches and advocates for nonpartisan election reform. He was a founding executive director there. He previously worked in various positions at the Better Government Association. Lieberman also has a master's degree in journalism from Northwestern University. The Chicago Ford plant is the focus of federal auto safety regulators. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration is investigating the Ford Explorer, which is built at the Torrance Avenue assembly plant. The probe will look into reports that the vehicle's windshield trim panel detaches while driving at highway speeds. There have been 164 complaints involving 2011 through 2019 model year explorers. Several of the reports involve drivers following the Ford vehicles who've been startled by the detaching trim and have lost control of their vehicles. No injuries, accidents, or deaths have been reported. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Okay, we got the business of food now, and Steve Alexander. Oh my, we've got a weird one for you today, sponsored by the Chevy Silverado HD. Experience your life in HD. Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. Okay, now this one is on the fringes of the business of food because it's about a 45-year-old guy who is... Using biotechnology to reconfigure his body, and he's now on a quest to become 18 years old again all over his body. (laughs) I told you. Ashley Vance is a writer for Bloomberg's Business Week magazine, and the guy trying to roll back his body odometer is Brian Johnson, Chicago guy, had a company here. He started Braintree and sold it to PayPal for $800 million a few years ago. Overweight, unhappy, he divorced and moved to Southern California. Uh, He's teamed with this doctor, a Brit, and they are measuring everything they can about every organ, his heart, his lungs, his brain, his teeth, toenails, everything. So how's it going? Well, for one thing, he's ripped. He's got 5% body fat. And when you look at things like his lung capacity or his heart rate or even something like gum inflammation, a lot of those markers are coming in at 35 years old, 24 years old, 17 years old. Okay, here's the food part. Johnson eats exactly 1,977 calories a day. It's a completely vegan diet. He eats in a pretty small window of time from when he wakes up around 5 a.m. to about noon, and that's it. No eating after that. So so it's, it's like this algorithm, and, and each one of these calories is meant to serve some purpose. It isn't always pretty. I came to Brian's house one day, and he just had a procedure where he had this fat injected into his face, and, and Brian had this allergic reaction to it. His face was swollen. He looked like a... In the story, I say this giant porcelain doll. Johnson is spending $2 million a year on this, but the question is, why? He wants to be this model for, for lots of people. He thinks this is like the best way to take care of yourself, and this is like the rational thing we should all be doing. Well, okay. The full story by Ashley Vance in Bloomberg's Business Week magazine. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. So if you're worried about your taxes or if you're just wondering how best to do them, you can get assistance if as an individual you make less than $32,000 a year or as a family if you make 
$60,000, up to $60,000 a year. To tell us some more about it is Annetta Piatraszczyk. She is the Director of Development at Ladder Up. Annetta, this is John. You're on WGN Afternoon. How are you? I'm great. So nice to talk to you. So you have an event that will actually provide tax assistance for people. Tell me about that. Yeah, so it's actually our launch event to launch our tax season this Saturday at Olive Harvey College. And we're just so excited as it's it's our media event to really launch tax season. Um, and we're going to be across 11 site locations across the Chicago metro area. Who so is, we're excited to launch it this Saturday. Who is Ladder Up? What's that organization? So Ladder Up is Chicagoland's premier financial services nonprofit We provide free tax preparation and e-file at 11 tax assistance program sites around the city and suburbs for eligible individuals and families. Our tax season launched last week and is officially underway now through April 18th. We offer financial counseling to assist with college financial aid application process, Mm. financial education, and help people apply or renew their individual taxpayer identification number or ITIN. And lastly, we also have a tax clinic with an attorney on site that provides pro bono legal services. Do I need to make an appointment to get this tax assistance? No, no appointments are necessary. They're all walk-in, but we do have our clients line up from 6, 7 a.m. to get through our doors. And we do have to cut off that line if we're at capacity. So Saturday, February 4th, from 9 a.m. to 12 noon at Olive Harvey College on Woodlawn in Chicago. That's that day, but it's an ongoing thing, is it not? It is. We go all the way until April 18th, which is the deadline for you know getting your taxes filed. And like I said, we're going to be at 11 tax sites all across the Chicagoland area. And you could definitely find our site locations on our website at goladderup.org. But one last question about that. I mean, if it's Saturday from 9 to noon, say, at Olive Harvey College, what about the following Monday? Could I still get assistance then? Absolutely. We'll be at, like I said, 11 tax sites. So we'll, we're there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, six days a week. So you'll definitely not miss us. We might not be at all six days at each tax site, but like I said, you could find our schedule on our website at goladderup.org. Okay, Anetta, wow, what a good idea. What a helpful idea. Goladderup.org if you need some assistance. Again, the thresholds were for an individual earning up to a $32,000 a year, for families earning up to $60,000 a year. Goladderup.org. Okay, Annetta, well done. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Have a great day.